Hello, my name is Davey McDowell, Chief Operating Officer of the National Council of Examiners for Engineering and Surveying, also known as NCEES. I recently had the opportunity to participate in the 2021 Engineers Without Borders USA virtual conference. The topics discussed at the conference were very enlightening, and I'm excited about the opportunity to bring you a special limited series of podcasts based on several of the panel discussions. The podcast today is entitled Putting EWB USA Volunteering Skills to Work, an Industry Perspective. In this episode, student and professional EWB USA volunteers, as well as industry representatives, will share why volunteering skills matter in today's workforce. The discussion includes insights into the pathway and benefits of professional engineering licensure and how licensure helps to protect the health, safety, and welfare of the public. With that said, let's go ahead and jump into the podcast. I'll turn it over to the host of the panel discussion, Jenny Lawson from Points of Light. Good morning, everybody. This is Jenny Lawson. I'm the Chief Civic Innovation Officer at Points of Light, and Points of Light is one of the world's largest organizations dedicated to helping people make change happen in their community. We're known for our volunteering work, and so I'm so happy to be here with this terrific panel today to talk about putting your skills to work. We know the power of volunteering in the communities where we're helping people, helping decision makers, and helping communities grow and thrive. But volunteering is also incredibly helpful for building skills and for learning new things in your own personal life, especially with EBW. So I'm excited today to talk to a panel who's going to take us through the career journey of what it means to volunteer, how it builds your capacity and your skills at your workplace. So, so let's get on with it. I'm happy to introduce today's panel. We have Connor Link, and Connor's an undergraduate senior in biomedical engineering at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He has served as a student project lead and is now currently a vice president of the university's student chapter. Leela Conlin. Leela is a structural engineer with Willett Engineering with a diverse design background, including commercial, residential, sports arenas, and educational buildings. She is a member of the CEC Core Steering Committee and Technical Review Committee. Ryan Jeanson. Ryan is a civil PE at Batur and provides survey and civil design for road reconstruction and green infrastructure projects. He has been involved with CEC project work and with CE Core Steering Committee as well. Davey McDowell. Davey is Chief Operating Officer of NCWES, the organization composed of the nation's licensing boards for engineers and surveyors. In this role, he provides support to the Chief Executive Officer of NCWES, implements the decisions of its board of directors, and he also serves as a liaison between NCWES and its member licensing board. Jacob Hexen. Jake is a civil structural PE at Black & Veatch in the solar business, representing Black & Veatch on the EWB Corporate Leadership Council and is the president of the Minnesota Professional Chapter. And Lindsay Wood. Lindsay is a graduate water wastewater engineer at ISG. She was previously a sub-project lead at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities and continues to support its chapter. 
So good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, depending on where you are. And thanks so much for taking the time to be a part of this panel. Connor, perhaps I'll start with you today. Thanks for joining us. So how did you find EWB and what was that experience, that volunteering experience that you participated in? So my experience with EWB really all started my freshman year of undergrad. I had a friend who was a year older than me and he was involved with uh, building a bridge out in Ecuador um, and just told me kind of the impact that he could feel as even a freshman at the time, the impact that he could make and just true learning by design. So I was pretty inspired by the work that EWB had done. I was still kind of undecided in what path down engineering I wanted to take. So I joined along in one of our Puerto Rico project, uh, kind of a newer project here at UW. And I joined our fundraising team for the first year, which really led me to writing grants and kind of that that smaller stuff of engineering, or not smaller, definitely not smaller, but the, the background stuff of engineering that you don't necessarily think of, especially as a new student. So I was involved in writing some grants, uh, presenting to different corporate sponsors and stuff like that. So it gave me a true appreciation for what really goes into these things. And just being able to meet our community right out of the bat, um, my sophomore year, I was fortunate enough to travel, was very inspiring. And, you know, the biggest thing that I've learned in EWB in the beginning here is how to learn, really. I mean, in my classes, I hear a lot about what engineering is, but you don't have a lot of that true experience. So it's that engineering design work, that the iterations, making sure that you have everything up to the best standards that you can, that is super important. Thanks. So maybe we'll bring Lindsay in. Lindsay, welcome. Glad you joined us today. Tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you find the volunteering experience and what are some of the things that it meant for you? Yeah, I started a little bit later in my undergraduate career than Connor did. I started as a junior, um, but I had been kind of admiring from a distance what EWB had been doing. And I remember coming to my first meeting and somebody sat me down and was talking to me about what they were working on. And I remember thinking, that's crazy. I didn't realize that we were actually this hands-on as undergrad students. This is a great organization and I love the community focus. And so I participated my junior year and my senior year. I was the lead of a subgroup that was doing an irrigation pipeline in Ethiopia, which was an amazing experience and kind of resonating what Connor had said. I saw that I got so much more out of it than what my classes were giving. I think that you can learn so many hard skills in your classes. But for me, since I've joined the professional world, what I've realized is my largest learning curve is understanding kind of the documentation process and seeing a project go and the whole progression from start to finish and understanding, I guess, the bureaucracy that's kind of vital for making these projects work that are so vital in consulting or government work that you're doing. So that gave me a really big leg up as soon as I started in the industry, kind of being able to look at how this project came to fruition and especially leading a project during COVID, having to make these adjustments that we had to have remote contractors, which is, I mean, as we know, pretty much what we're doing in the real world is you're always working with other contractors. Usually as an engineer, we're not going to go out there and actually build it as well. So it was a great opportunity that I got to use that experience to kind of get a foot in the door, I guess. And I also, since I've just graduated in December, I'm quite new. I'm only about a year ahead of Connor, but I will say that it's been really great. Not only did EWB help me gain some skills, but now that I'm in the workforce, I have 
some experience with hydraulic modeling that I've really gotten into because I had kind of tested out a lot of different things when I was in undergrad. I think that's a great part of, you know, EWB is when you're before your licensure, before you're your PE and you're not specialized yet, you want to be trying out all these different things. And EW gives you an opportunity to do that without having to get a brand new internship or a brand new job. You get to go to these job projects and think, I'm really good at maybe water distribution, but I think that that's super cool too. And maybe I want to get my foot in the door there. So I've seen so many benefits from working with EWB into my early professional career. Yeah, I love that theme of using these opportunities to try out many different things. Connor, how about for you? Have you had the chance to try different things and maybe sort of learn some of those soft skills about listening and learning from and working with the contractor? How has that really come through in your experience? Yeah, definitely. Um, As Lindsay was talking, it actually brought up kind of a story of one of the times when I was leading a project. So we had just come down to finally being in our implementation phase. Uh, We were installing some solar panels on top of a children's shelter in Puerto Rico. And we had brought together kind of experts from different companies that we had ordered these pieces from. And then our remote contractors, because it was during COVID, and the professional engineer on the island we had been working with. So me as a junior at the time, not a background in electrical engineering at all. So I didn't really understand the technical details that were going on, but it really just gave me an appreciation for how important it is to bring people together from a variety of different backgrounds and to get this experience as an undergrad and just be able to sit in on something like this. You know, one of my mentors for EWB, actually, one of the first things he told me when I took over as project lead was, Throughout your career, you don't need to be good at everything. Just pick something and be really good at it. Um, So that was kind of a cool experience where I got to see, eventually in this meeting, I got to see people who were very good at the things that they do coming together and fixing a problem. So that is something, I mean, my fellow undergrads, unless they're in an organization like this, just do not see at all. And, you know, that was such a cool experience for me as an undergrad. And it's something that I've talked a lot about in my interviews um, during my senior year is just how stuff like that has sort of been present in my studies. Great. Yeah. Lindsay, I think that interviewing and the sort of path to licensure question, right? How has your experience helped you in those processes? I have talked about EWB in every single interview I've ever done, and it doesn't even matter if it's a job interview, sometimes it was a scholarship interview, or just making small talk. It's such a rich experience. And in terms of the job market, I think most people can agree your first job is probably the hardest one that you're going to require. And my last internship in college, I had found out about through a peer through EWB, And the job that I have now, I found out about through a mentor at EWB as well. And I think it provides such a unique experience because we have these relationships, like Connor said, with so many different individuals who are so great. And you're in such a unique atmosphere where you're working on these things and you see people in such a different work environment that it provides a really great opportunity to network and meet other people and really show your skills in a way you wouldn't. So I've seen so much benefit from being with EWB, getting my first professional job. Yeah, thanks for bringing up that networking aspect of things. I think the chance to work with folks in other fields, the chance to work with folks from other places, it really builds your network. Connor, are you seeing that too? Oh, definitely. We're very fortunate at UW to have a strong Madison area professional chapter that we work very closely with. 
most of us in EWB, we can approach them and just, they help us with resume reviews. They help us with just finding jobs in general. I'm actually studying biomedical engineering, which is a little bit different than a lot of people in EWB who tend to stick to civil and mechanical and electrical, that kind of stuff. But even with that time, they have connections with the professional industry of engineers all over the city. So they've been able to send my resume along. And I've had sort of this opportunity as a senior when I'm looking for a job to have these informal interviews beforehand and kind of really experience these different tracks that I could possibly take down before actually applying, which is something that I can't say a lot of people have had the opportunity to do. Yeah. And learning to network too. I mean, right away my freshman year when I was presenting the corporate sponsors afterwards at Brown Bag events, you know, I'd, I'd sit in on their lunches and just be able to talk to them a little bit more and tell them who I am and kind of get my name out there, even as a freshman. So it was a great experience in that. Before we sort of move on, I'd love your sort of top one or two or three pieces of advice, especially since our audience is so much folks at your, the stage that you're in, in in your career. What's your advice to them for these opportunities or taking advantage of them? Yeah, I definitely say don't be shy about telling people who you are and what you've done. That can be something, it can be really hard to talk about yourself, but the more you do it, the more you get comfortable with it and can sort of just having one-sided conversations be able to carry on um, that relationship. So that's something that I would give advice for. And another thing is when you're interviewing, really leverage how you've worked with people from different backgrounds. That's very important in the industry, no matter what industry you're going into. And so how you've worked with people across the world or from different walks of life, students at different points in their education, professionals who are at different points in their career. That's really something that people have been, have told me they've been impressed with as I've Good. <laughs> talked with them. Yeah, that's great. And absolutely good advice. Lindsay, anything you would add to that from your experience? I'll second, definitely leverage the work that we're doing. It's amazing. It's super unique. It's something that even if you're doing an internship, you're not going to have this level of interaction. So I think definitely leverage that. And also just always raise your hand to do things. I went into EWB thinking that I really was interested in I guess a little bit more of the environmental side, environmental engineering side, strictly, I guess, mediation and environmental areas. And after EWB, I got into the irrigation water and I was like, I really love distribution and water treatment. And so now I'm in the drinking water, wastewater treatment side. And I don't think I would have really known that that was what I was super interested in unless I had raised my hand and said, I'll lead a project on this. I didn't know going into it a lot about designing bridges, but we went there, as Connor said, you just kind of learn along the way. And that's another really great skill is that you are learning how to learn along the way. So that's fascinating, guys. Thanks so much. I appreciate you joining us today. I'm going to turn us now to Ryan and Davey to talk about sort of mid-career and licensure, right? Which is that important step on the journey in your professional engineering career. You know, I think, Davey, maybe we'll start with you to kind of give the, the nuts and bolts of that experience for our listeners. We always talk about a lot of times in terms of licensure and you think about license more in the medical profession or maybe even architect or, or an accountant or nurse. But in engineering and, and surveying, we also have a licensure. So it's important to kind of know what that means to some extent and then the processes for becoming a licensed engineer. Licenses 
for an engineer, it's just essentially a legal document that's been essentially handed to you by a state and said you are legally allowed to practice the profession of engineering. It's not really a, a complicated thing other than kind of getting there. And that's, I guess that's the point. In terms of licensure, no matter what it is, whether it's for engineering, whether it's surveying, any of those other professions that I mentioned earlier, it's about protecting the health, safety, and welfare of the public. And when it comes down to the very, very essence of what professional engineering licensure means, it is simply that. It is putting the public ahead of everything else in terms of welfare. We want our buildings, our bridges, our roads, our waterways, our HVAC systems, our electrical power systems. We want those things to be designed by someone who is competent to do them and who is ethical. And those things all come with professional licensure. If you jump to the next slide, it's the three steps. We call it the three E's to, to becoming a licensed engineer. One of it's education. So probably the students on this call, a lot of you are in engineering and in some university, or maybe you're a, a new graduate. If you are, that's, that's essentially what that piece is. It's, it's about getting that engineering degree. Uh, experience is the other piece to it. So it's typically four years of experience before you can become a professional engineer after you've gotten the um, education taken kind of out of the way. I, I heard a couple of things early from the, our first couple of panelists, which I really think are important because when you start really looking at that experience piece, it's, it's the number two of the three steps, the three E's, Engineers Without Borders is a great place to really take that experience or take that education, that, that fundamental knowledge that you learned while you were uh, in school and now you are practicing it. And that is what number two really is. It's about taking what you learned in school and putting it to practice in those jobs. And then, of course, the number three and the reason that I even have a job and, and the only reason that there's an organization called the National Council of Examiners for Engineering and Surveying is to be able to put together exams for you as an engineer or surveyor to prove that you are competent to practice before we hand that license. Uh, so NCWS puts together two exams for the professional licensure kind of a pathway. One is called the Fundamentals of Engineering. That's usually taken when you're a college senior, maybe just after graduation. And then the second one's the Professional Engineering Exam or the Principles and Practice of Engineering Exam. And it is more of a test of putting your that application of knowledge that you should have learned in school, whereas the FE exam is more about what you should have learned in school. The other thing that I will say is in terms of the benefits of professional licensure on your career, it's obviously you can see the importance as you volunteered with EWB. Also, it, it opens career doors. I mean, those are some of the things that were said early is that just experiences, the different experiences that you have. Or, or things that you can put on your resume, and it actually just opens doors to a career. So a professional engineering license will do that same thing as well. And that last one, I can't reiterate this enough, professional engineering licensure, it's about serving the public. It's not about serving your employer. It's about design and analysis and construction that is going to protect the health, safety, and welfare of the public. And to be honest, that's, I don't know anything more important than, than protecting our public or our environment. So anyway, that's kind of the quick version of getting to a professional engineering license. So as young people prepare for that journey and, and that path towards licensure, what's your advice for how they can maximize that, that EWB experience? I think it's a great point. It's a great question. As engineers, and I am a professional engineer, we have to document certain pieces of that experience. So it's about writing and putting together 
that whole package of experience and set progressive work experience. So I think having uh, involvement on each one of these projects is something that you can put down as part of that overall experience that you would need to gain to become a professional engineer. I think it's a great selling point, obviously, for getting a job, but I also think it could be used in that experience arena as part of these three distinct steps for becoming a professional engineer. Thanks so much. So, Ryan, we're going to invite you to join us and prove the point. Talk a little bit about your EWB journey and experience. Where did you volunteer? What did you do? And talk about that path towards uh, where you are now. So I did not get involved in college. You know, I always knew about it. I always had friends that maybe were in that sphere, you know, but I never got around to it. And I always wanted to one day and time got ahead of me. And four years later, you know, I'm working on my PE, studying for that, focusing on all of those things, documenting work experience. And after I finished it, you know, I was just wanting to do something. I was wanting to continue that type of, I guess, work ethic outside of work. But I guess what happened was I just responded to an email one day and it was a project that was happening and I saw an opportunity to maybe test my comfort zone, you know, and see if I could actually be the uh, engineer in charge for that project. Because I wasn't, fortunately, there's a bunch of good experienced engineers in my company. So they would be the ones to sign off on a lot of projects and things like that. So really it was a test to see if I could be the engineer record. And also it was slightly out of my discipline. It was something I worked on in the past as an intern, but I got to circle back and basically, you know, test myself. And um, being at CEC or EWB, uh, you have a good support system too, because even though you are the engineer record, there's still checks and balances. So it kind of helped a young engineer like myself push to be the one to do that thing for that project. I give it a lot of credit because it, it helps me with a lot of soft skills, you know, like with confidence or with networking or, or really just surround yourself with people outside of your discipline. That was pretty gratifying, I have to say, uh, because I was surrounded by civil structural engineers, which is great, but it's nice to, you know, talk to a mechanical every now and then, or uh, even an architect. So those are some things I definitely had appreciation for. And I mean, you can't get a better client, right? Because you're doing pro bono work. So they typically are the nicest people. For me, they've been very patient with me because, you know, we're all doing this. At least when you get, you know, to a certain point, you start getting very, very busy. I feel like we're always busy, but uh, it's nice to contribute some hours to something that isn't necessarily for your boss. It's for your community. This is what I get to share with people all day long. And I think you've really hit on that, like, what it does for you and your career, but also just how grateful the community is where, where you're working. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the project? What are you actually working on? Active. We just got a work plan that was approved for a small garden in Harlem in New York. And I think it's going to be just two features, a solar panel on a roof with a battery for an irrigation system. And they want a battery system so that the water can pump when the, you know, the sun's not very bright. I don't know anything about solar panels. So that's the part that I'm helping, you know, just do the paperwork for. But essentially, we have mechanical that's going to work on that part. And then also, it's called a pergola structure. But basically, it's just a wood frame structure that vines and that type of vegetation grows on. And theirs is all dilapidated. So we're going to just design a new one to replace it. So some small footings, just some timber put 
with some braces and things like that. So it should be a fun project. You know, it sounds great. And like, if you, for, for the folks on the phone, like, so connect the dots from that experience to the licensure conversation that, that David was talking about. Like, how does one really support the other? I would say it's a lot of the permitting stuff, figuring out what needs a permit, what doesn't. Fortunately for CEC, we're less focused on the implementation. You know, you typically produce the drawings, produce the permits, maybe some cost estimates or specs, a lot of deliverables. But yeah, you need a license for a vast majority of that. You know, some of that you can just do some small consulting. But basically, if you're going to build something substantial, you need a permit, especially in New York, you know. Other cities, maybe, you know, depends, but it's always better to play it safe. Even if it's a small structure, just submit for a permit and, and the city could turn around and say, yeah, we only have a permit for this. Well, oh, well, better to be safe than sorry, you know? Absolutely. And again, back to the, the point that Davey made about you're in service to the public at that point. And so that path is an important one to make sure everyone's safe in that environment. Davey, I might invite you back to tell a little bit about your own journey and how your experiences have supported your experience in your role in the operation side of an association like that. That is a little bit of an interesting thing because as I kind of mentioned it like a best kept secret a number of years ago as a, as a college student and then taking the fundamentals of engineering exam Going to work, I worked, uh, my initial job was working as an engineer for a power company. And then the time frame, that experience that I was gaining and then starting to get ready, prepared for my engineering license, had no idea really that this entity called NCEES even existed. You know, engineering is a, an interesting career. I enjoyed that section and that time of my life doing that. Transitioning over to NCWS is not really... I don't do a lot of what you would call engineering work. It is working with a lot of engineers, though. We literally have thousands of volunteers that come and work on our exams because we have exams that cover everything from structural engineering to nuclear engineering, all the way down to ag and biological engineering. So we've got 30 different exams that an engineer can take to become a licensed engineer, plus the surveying exam. So we are constantly looking for volunteers to help us put together exams because we're looking for all kinds of different uh, backgrounds in life, people that come from a government versus a consulting background or whether they're at university and academia. We're also looking for people that have been around for a while and kind of know what to expect from a young engineer. And they're also looking for young engineers because they have a little different perspective. So uh, it's a totally different kind of job that most engineers would have, but it is something that I have found over the course of about 20 years, it's, it's been very rewarding. And I have met a lot of engineers and surveyors. And I have met a lot of smart people and a lot of people that uh, have done a lot of good in this country as well as the world. Thanks. Everybody's journey, I think, especially those of us who've, who've been uh, working for a number of years, like the journey you start out on is maybe not where you're going to end up. And so all of these I, experiences, I think, offer so much to what it is to participate fully in, in our communities and our society. So Ryan, there's a question in the chat that I think is a great one, which is how does your employer square with this uh, volunteering experience? And EWB. Is that something that, that's a challenge? How does that play out? That's a great question. So I started and I knew that there was one or two people in the company that were doing some international stuff. And I never really knew about the international work, but 
it kind of just gave me the idea to try it in my own neighborhood in the CEC chapter. And fortunately, they actually provide some pro bono hours for us to allocate it to. So we can actually work on some of this project during daylight hours, which is nice. Because I know that could be a potential setback is you're tired and then you'll forget to work on that thing at the end of the day. So each firm's different, but if you, oh, another friend of mine, they had their firm uh, give some money towards a project. So I think it's really about awareness. You know, if a firm doesn't even know about EWB, they should, because it's really good people in that sphere and they're missing out on good, good candidates down the road. So if they don't know, it's worth a discussion, I, I would maybe think. Yeah, I think paid time off or paid time on for this sort of volunteer project is increasingly the benchmark and very typical for, for companies. And so spreading that concept to other disciplines and, and moving that forward and that sort of matching with financial support for employees' efforts, those are trends that are really coming into and through the corporate sector. So I think even asking your employer if that's even a possibility Again, like <laughs> I think it's worth asking, if not your boss, then your HR representative to really help build the sector's ability to support these sort of volunteer projects because they're absolutely uh, so important. I think with that, I'm going to move us to talk with Lila Conlin and Jacob Hexen who are on the corporate side of things and to uh, see if we can get a little perspective for them on what they look for in their own experience with EWB. And so Lilo, maybe we'll start with you. Tell us your journey, right? I think it's a great place to start. What are some of the volunteer projects you've been a part of? How did that shape how you think about yourself as an engineer and the work that you're doing now? Yeah. So... I did not get involved in EWB when I was in college. I got involved much later in my career. EWB wasn't really around that long ago. <laughs> so I didn't have the opportunities that everyone in school has now, which is a real shame because it's really great to hear all the great work that they're doing. But later in my career, after a few years of working, I was looking around for volunteer opportunities where I could use my professional skills. Um, we put so much time and effort into working on our professional skills and to be able to use those to help communities in need is perfect. Um, and EWB was just what I was looking for. For me, I've traveled around a lot and lived a lot of different places. And EWB being a national and international group, I'm able to do work no matter where I am. Right now I'm living in a very remote place in uh, the mountains of Colorado, and I'm still able to do a lot of work um, with a lot of great people for a lot of great communities. So it's been an absolute perfect group for me. That's been really rewarding. But I want to reiterate a lot of what Lindsay and everyone else that's just starting their career has said, that there's so much exposure with EWB to different projects that you would never see, even after over 20 years of experience as a consulting structural engineer, I've been able to work on projects with EWB 
and CE Corps that is nothing like anything I've ever worked on professionally. My favorite example is an earth ship in South Dakota that I worked on. I don't know, if you don't know what it is, you'll have to look it up. It's um, really fun stuff. It's eco house built with sustainable materials, supported usually with solar energy, and they use tires to build, which is not something I usually use in commercial buildings that I design for work. So it's really fun to get to do all of this different stuff that you don't normally do. And internationally, the work is beyond anything you ever really even think about working for a consulting firm in the United States. I was just helping recently with specifications for concrete for international work. And the people working on these projects don't even have concrete mix plants that they can get concrete from. They're just mixing concrete in the field, which is something that does not happen in the United States. And you really have to know your stuff. You really have to understand what concrete does, what the materials involved are and what you're trying to accomplish with these specifications. So it's a great opportunity to use the knowledge that you have and expand on the knowledge that you have. It's been wonderful for me. I love the mentoring aspect. I'm really happy to hear some of the younger engineers talking about how they've learned a lot from the people that they've been working with in their groups. I do a lot of the CE core technical reviews and I'm really always excited to uh, give some feedback on how to submit the, it's mostly calculations for design work. And I think um, that's really important to know as an engineer, you'll be submitting calculation packages for city permit submittals for all of your projects. And um, learning how to do that early in your career is vital. So, so many things about the Engineers Without Borders work process that can be used in your career as you get going. You're going to be a step ahead of everyone else in the office as you start your career, knowing a lot of this process kind of stuff to a project once it gets started. And then the networking that a lot of people have mentioned, this is great when you're getting your career started and it continues your entire career. You always want your career to be growing. You always want to be learning more and knowing a lot of different people, working on a lot of different kinds of things just opens up the possibilities of learning more and doing more always. It's not just in the first few years of your career that you want to do that. It almost more so as you get older and more experienced. You don't want to get stuck doing the same stuff over and over again. So um, EWB just offers so much as an engineer, and uh, I'm happy to see so many people involved. That's great. And I think that the power to keep your job interesting and purposeful and fresh, Davy, too, like your career changes over the lifespan of from graduation to the growth into a broader corporate setting. And so, yeah, I, the, the power of volunteering to bring that energy, um, which clearly demonstrate into the workplace is uh, powerful. It's good stuff. 
Jake, let's hear from you a little bit in your journey. I think your role as the president of the Minnesota Professional Chapter, too, brings another dimension to what it is to be a part of these volunteering activities and definitely want to hear about that. These are the stories I, I work for and live for, so I, I'm always interested and fascinated. Uh, but also, how does that build into to that president chapter role that, that you play as well? The reason I got into engineering is because I wanted to get into a field where I could serve other people. That was a pretty clear goal of mine when I was even just choosing what career path I wanted to take. And along the way, you know, I, I was big into math and science and in school of building things and civil engineering was the obvious choice. And, and along with that, I started to recognize and realize that a lot of the, the major humanitarian crises that we see in the world today can be solved, at least in part, by some of the engineering work that we do. And so, you know, going to school, I went to the school up at NDSU in Fargo and immediately recognized the Engineers Without Borders chapter. Also, you know, all the work that I was doing there. And, and that's when I first was introduced to EWB. I started getting involved there. We were doing projects in Guatemala. Shortly after that, after graduation, I, I met some people at Black and & Veatch and they told me about some of the programs that, that Black & Veatch had to support Engineers Without Borders. And so... That was one of the things that I actually, once I had heard that, I started looking for in a company to join after school. So I graduated from school at NDSU, moved down to Minneapolis, and immediately went and found the Minnesota professional chapter there, joined the group, and we got involved in, in a water project in Honduras, which blossomed into a larger group where we were doing projects in Guatemala, and now we have a project in Peru. And kind of along the way, just stepped through the, the different roles of being on, on a team from, you know, you join the group and you're working on the design team. Sometimes you move up into a project design team leadership role. And then ultimately, I, I ended up as the president of our organization now. And along the way, that progression kind of also happened uh, within our, what I would call our BNV network within our company. So. At Black & Veatch, we have what I, I would call our Black & Veatch EWB volunteer network. And, and basically at Black & Veatch, we don't have a corporate chapter. There are some companies that are structured where they have a corporate chapter that are made up of, of volunteers only from that company. What we have is more structured with mainly members that are a part of EWB chapters all around the country. So this being Black & Veatch volunteer network that we have is comprised of, you know, members from the Minneapolis or Minnesota professional chapter, the Kansas City professional chapter, the, uh, I think we have members from Las Vegas and California. And through that, we found a lot of benefit in, in being able to network across offices. We're hearing about, you know, different project experiences, what works, what doesn't, fundraising strategies. Uh, we're able to share a lot of knowledge and take that back with us to our respective chapters which has been a really cool thing to see and hear just about all the other good work that's being done at our company by other volunteers. Along with that, you know, one of the things that we do uh, with Black & Beach, especially is we do have some of those, those programs that you were talking about earlier with, that support our volunteers when they, when they do wanna travel. In the past, and this was kind of prior to COVID, but we would, we would be able to give some PTO for a, project travel for some of these projects and also uh, a little bit of like a, a travel stipend to be used. That was actually one of the things that really drew me to the company 
So I know there's a lot of students on the call. And so speaking to you, I would say, look for, look for companies that offer those things. For the employers on the call, I would say, push for those programs in your companies. As we've heard, there's a lot of benefit to recruiting EWB students. I think it's been kind of a secret weapon of sorts that, that we've, we've had at our, our company. I do a lot of recruiting through the colleges and I always look for EWB experience because I know what it takes to get those projects done. It's a lot of work and, and you're doing it on your own time. So to find people that have that drive and have that, yeah, the drive to not only get the project done, but to help people is huge. That idea of workplace programs that support volunteering, the power to network inside the company through the volunteering experience. That's one of the things we talk about a lot is the ability to move outside of your silo, be it your region or your particular technical expertise, and start to learn across different disciplines, meet people across different disciplines in different cities, really, as we know, helps you sort of build your career, build your visibility inside the company as well, right? So there's some real tangible benefits as well as, you know, the travel and the learning and and the growth opportunities. Leela, what does that experience look like inside? Are you the only one at your company who's uh, participating with EWB or how are you supported or, or what have you even shared that this is what you're doing inside the company? Yes. There are a few other people involved in EWB that I've sort of recruited along the way, and some people that are really interested in getting involved. I think being able to talk about the projects that I'm working on, that's always intriguing to anyone um, I come in contact with in any engineering meeting. Anytime you meet with clients, I think someone was saying earlier that every interview they've ever been to, they talk about it. It's such a rich experience that architects, engineers, owners are always interested in learning more about it. So it's a great experience to share with uh, anyone that might be a part of your company or just any engineering friend. Thanks. So I'm going to turn the tide a little bit on the questions away from uh, the technical aspects of any of this. And and let's talk about the fun. So, you know, part of the EWB experience is meeting people from other places, traveling. What are some of the places you've been able to experience? And I know COVID, COVID, but, you know, either in person or, or that cultural experience, right? Because I think that's what rounds us out as human beings and makes uh, that brings a certain, you know, sweetness to, to the experience as well. And Ryan, maybe I'll start with you a, a little bit about some of the experiences that, that you've had, even if the work you're doing is, is here in the U.S. So for me, I, I was living in the Upper East Side at the time, and basically I just had to take the train uptown to Harlem. And uh, it was just great to be in another neighborhood and just to meet the people in that area. It just feels neighborly. And even though it's a 40 minute train ride, it's only like a mile away. And they actually, um, the first time we went there, they cooked some burgers and hot dogs for us. And we hung out with them a little bit and talked about just like ballpark and what they wanted to do. So it was just that kind of neighborly fun community, really. That's great. And I, I think that probably connects to the, the global neighborhoodness. You know, Jake, maybe back to you. You've done a number of projects. You can talk a little bit about where you've been and, and some of the cultural side of things. Yeah, 
I don't know how much time we got left, but yeah, I can <laughs> try to keep it brief. But, but one of my favorite places and experiences with EWB, it was in Honduras. We were doing a water project, gravity fed water project right on the coast. So just a beautiful area. I mean, the place we stayed was basically right on the beach, uh, which was very lucky because I've heard of some of the other other places people have stayed on some of these trips, but we were in a just a really nice place that was actually owned by someone, a Honduran who had made it to the University of Minnesota and went to school there. And then he was living on the beach in, in Honduras again after he went to school there. But I went down there a few times and built some relationships with with some of the main leaders in the community that were helping on these projects. And they welcomed us into their house. You know, it's a this tiny, tiny little open air house and they made us pork chops while all the while there's you know ducks and chickens walking around at your feet on the the dirt floor and they they shared a meal with us and it was just it was just such a cool experience especially because of just the generosity that they that they gave to us i mean i know that a pork chop to us here in the states is it's a good meal but to them that was like they broke out the the fine dining for us it was just so cool to see their homes and to talk to them. And they, they brought us up to one of their, their secret swimming spots. So we walked about a mile and a half up this mountain. We walked in the stream bed in like ankle high water. And they bring us up to just this beautiful area where there was huge cliffs and waterfalls and, and places to jump off in the water. And it was just, yeah, it was amazing. It was just cool to see their culture and where they spend all their time. I think that'll wet the whistle for a couple of folks, I would assume, for sure. Leela, how about you? Talk a little bit about one of your experiences. Well, like I said, I have moved around a lot in my career, in my life, and really, that's been the big advantage for me. I would love a trip to Honduras soon. That sounds even better. But um, but being able to continuously work with EWB and CE Corps, no matter where I live, no matter what local group is nearby, um, there's always great opportunities. I've lived in New York City, the mountains of Colorado, Atlanta, Georgia, and EWB is always there and always has great opportunities and always a great network and always great people to meet and um, get to know. So um, I would say more, not just individual trips with each project, but just a lifetime of opportunity and flexibility. That's terrific. So Davey, I'm going to come back to you a second. With the time we have left, I thought maybe people could share their experiences about sort of what are those three sort of towards licensure skills that, that folks each, so each of you, so think about it. What are those three skills towards your professional career that you think have been really honed by that uh, EWB experience. So I invite you to get ready, but Davey, maybe some thoughts from you to get that kicked off. Well, I, I think that as we, as engineers, as young engineers, and I was a young engineer a long time ago, I think that there's a couple of things. One of them is, it's just those experiences and trying to take those professional experiences that you have as part of this big package. You know, licensure is just a, a real kind of small part of a professional career to some extent. You know, it's one of those things that you, you want to obtain and get, and it's very, very important. But in terms of, of, of your career, there's a lot of other pieces as well, right? So if I ever had a, any suggestion for a young engineer, it would be 
to go through the process of becoming licensed when you're young and when you're early into your career, you know, that first four to six years, so that from that point on, there's just open doors to do other things, like becoming uh, an engineer of record or, or doing some of those permitting things that was mentioned earlier when, you, when you're working in, uh, especially when you're working in the States. Now, a lot of times that might not happen in an international setting, because as, as that was pointed out earlier, things, things are much different internationally than they are in the States. So there's just a lot of bits and pieces to, to a career. Licensure is one of those. I think it's a very important one of those. But um, volunteering, just volunteering with any organization, uh, whether it's Engineers Without Borders or whether it's whatever organization that can help benefit society, I think it's very important too. And, and I, I know we have all things to juggle and a lot of things to juggle. But putting all those things together, I think, just makes them for a, um, an incredible professional career when it's all kind of said and done. That's great. Thanks. Lindsay, just getting into this process, what do you think are those two or three things that have really been important for you thus far? I would say flexibility and perspective is what EWB has given me. I think when you're in undergraduate, you're working out of a textbook, you have all the data you need, and you know kind of what the right answer is about to be. In the real world, that never happens. You're never going to get all the data you need. You're never going to have one right answer. And especially with these projects where you're trying to collect data from a different country, you're not going to get everything right the first time. You're going to have to try to fill in the blanks. And you're coming at it from your engineering background. From For me, I grew up in Wisconsin. I've got my Wisconsin. I, I think these things are important. You go to a different country, you're working with different clients and they have different priorities than you. And it really helps to be able to have this experience of understanding that you're working with these people that have different priorities and they are going to approach it different ways. And when you get out into the workplace, you're working with different disciplines that have different ways that they would solve the same problem as well. So it's been great to kind of see how that's translated into my professional career. Terrific. Ryan, how about you? These projects, I would say awareness was one skill because, you know, you're putting yourself in a, in a situation where people could feel vulnerable about their predicament and you don't want to go in there and it's not about you, you know, it's really not about you at the end of the day. So just working on that, you know, trying to keep people in mind, that was a soft skill that I definitely uh, was working on. And um, I guess leadership, you know, because in that situation, uh, they needed someone to stamp the drawings. So it's weird to try to thrust yourself into a leadership position, but, you know, just try to be tasteful and just be like, I can help. I can help if y'all want me to. So that and, um, yeah, I guess technical learn a little bit of, of civil at the time. I was pretty green on civil design at that time. So I got to relearn some grading plans and things like that. Excellent. Yeah. So Connor, over to you, sort of just again, launching into this process and getting your feet wet. Yeah, I guess really the biggest thing I've learned is when things happen that are unplanned, not necessarily what, what you were expecting or you get something wrong, um, how to break that down and how to, you know, really approach it again, because you can't just say, all right, that went wrong. I'm done. No, you gotta, you gotta step up and you have to find the right people who can help you come and fix that problem. Um, so that's something that's been very important. And then hopefully there you learn from that so you don't make those mistakes again. To have that experience early in my career is very, very good. And then just another thing is managing my time. You know, that's 
having this on top of um, my other responsibilities has been huge in sort of teaching me how to do that. And I've, I've definitely hit a lot of bumps along the way, but I, we're, we're starting to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, humbleness and time management are skills that'll serve you well, no matter where you go. So yeah, terrific thoughts on that. Jake, how about you? Yeah, I want to echo what Connor said, uh, first and foremost. I think if you've ever been a part of an EWB project, you know that things will go wrong. It's not a matter of if they're going to go wrong. It's a matter of just what is going to go wrong. Um, and so one of the skills that I think I've developed through EWB and my, these experiences has been persistent. For example, when we were on that water project in Honduras, uh, we were building a 20-foot diameter concrete tank about a quarter mile up a mountain. and we got there and we only had a week to work on it and they had delivered the wrong size rebar. They delivered a, sh a smaller size rebar. So, you know, we could have gotten frustrated, put our head down and, and left saying we can't work on this anymore, but we basically re-engineered the tank on the fly and, and were able to make it happen. So I guess persistence is the first thing. The second thing kind of along those same lines is, is knowing the codes. That's a big thing for your PE you're going to take your PE, you're going to need to know all the different code books that, that you're held to, and you'll learn them if you're doing any sort of detailed design. So those are the two. Yeah, great. Leela, going to end with you and a couple of thoughts from you on uh, what are those big skills that really have come through. Yeah, I think I'm going to reiterate a lot of what everyone already said. I think um, I mentioned earlier that the technical part of EWB is going to be invaluable to your career. You're going to learn so much. And uh, when you're in school and about to take your PE, SE, every tiny bit of experience you can get is going to be helpful. And then even now, like I'm still learning things through EWB projects. I love what Jake said about persistence. Every project I think you ever work on as an engineer, there's going to be problems. And I think through the persistence, you learn a lot about teamwork. Every successful project I've ever worked on has had a really great team that's working together. People, the contractor is not trying to blame the engineer and the engineer is not trying to blame the architect. It's a group that's trying to get to one goal successfully together. And um, I think EWB sets an amazing example for some really good teamwork. And then professionally for me, at the stage in my career when I joined, I had a really good base for my technical abilities. I have my PE and SE already. So for me, the leadership part was really important um, and networking getting to know people and being able to work with people, um, mentoring, guiding them, especially if you work at a small firm, it's really great to broaden your horizons and get to know more people and get involved. Thank you to Leela and Jake, Davey, Lindsay, Connor, Ryan. This has been a great panel. We're delighted and, and appreciate the time that you've given to EWB and to this process this afternoon. That concludes the first podcast in our series from the 2021 EWB USA Virtual Conference. The remaining episodes of the series will be released in the coming weeks. I want to express my sincere thanks and gratitude to everyone at EWB USA for including NCEES in these timely and critical conversations. 
For more examples of the great work professional engineers and surveyors are doing across the country, I invite you to also check out Advance, an NCWS podcast series, which can be found on nceesorg podcast or on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcast.